For the News and Observer, I'm Dawn Vaughn, your host for this episode of Under the Dome for the week of November 28th, 2022. Here today with my colleague, Luciana Perez Uribe Ginasi. Welcome back, everyone, to work or back in town. If you went out for the Thanksgiving holiday, we are now mid holiday season, post Thanksgiving, pre Christmas, Hanukkah, and New Year. So today we're going to talk about something a little bit lighter to start. Uh, it's about the election, but not or who won or lost. I guess it is who lost, because they definitely lost. And we're talking about uh, interesting writing candidates. And we have quite the range. Our, our colleague, Avi Bajpai, wrote about this recently in our Under the Dome newsletter. If you don't subscribe to that, you should and read all our content on newsobserver.com. So we're going to talk about a few of our favorites uh, these were compiled by the um, Board of Elections. We have them for Wake County, include like school board, city council, and soil and water. So some of my favorite, favorite write-ins were Aubrey Drake Graham, which is Drake, the rapper, if you know him, or Aubrey, if you know him from watching that show Degrassi in Canada before, uh, before he switched to a music career. Uh, Barack Obama is on there. Donald Trump is on there. I think I saw Hillary Clinton. So we have presidential uh, candidates and presidents that are kind of the easy ride-in for a lot of these. Um, I've got a few more, but before I get to that, Luciana, what are some of the ones that you noticed? So I think uh, on everyone's mind recently has been Elon Musk. So he was on there, Kanye West as well. And then on the more cartoon side, you have Superman, Sleeping Beauty, Snoopy, SpongeBob. And uh, getting into the holiday spirit, of course, Santa. So I went looking for Mickey Mouse because Mickey Mouse always gets right in. And I count uh, I counted 15 write-ins for, for Mickey Mouse in one of those races. Other ones included Erica Smith, which I assume it could be the former state senator that had run for, for U.S. Senate or someone else named Erica Smith. Greg Fischel, the former local TV meteorologist, made the list. Um, speaking of animated characters, Homer Simpson made it. I didn't see a Lisa or Marge, though, just a, just a Homer. The Holy Ghost, while we were in the H's. And then also in the H's, Hubert Davis, who we mentioned on the podcast last week, the UNC basketball coach. I also saw a Jay Kennedy. I thought it was funny that they didn't just say, like, John F. Kennedy, or maybe it's some other Kennedy. For Soil and Water, there was one called John Topsoil, which is pretty funny. Marty McFly, for those of you that have seen Back to the Future, uh, know that one. And then a couple were Don't Care and Decline. I guess those are for the voters that feel they just really need to write something and, you know, decline. I decline to write anything in the space by writing the word decline. So. And what else do you think, Luciana, about just the idea of uh, writing candidates? And have you ever written in anything? No, I have not. But I was, uh, you mentioned before that there are two Dons on there. Right. And I was thinking about my name. I haven't checked, but I doubt there will be any Lucianas in there. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, the two Dons looked like a lot of the names when I was going through were just random people's names. So I assume they just wrote in themselves, which is yeah. funny. So, Or just me. <laughs> <laughs> right, they could have just written me. So I actually have the document open. I'm going to look up Luciana while we're here. I'm so sorry. There's no one voted for you. I'm so surprised. All right, well, moving on uh, to the 
uh, General Assembly. Uh, it'll look different in January, not just because of who was elected or who lost, but some some weren't running because they were going for something else. So, Luciana, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so this election changed North Carolina's delegation in the U.S. House from an eight Republican to five Democrat split to an equal 7-7 split. And a lot of the new representatives are first-timers in the Capitol, um, as well as former state senators. So my colleague, Danielle Battaglia, the D.C. correspondent for McClatchy, uh, for the News and Observer, wrote about the newly elected reps first week, so freshman orientation, so to say. So she goes into tons of insider um, sort of details about what their first week looked like from getting new laptops and phones, setting up security settings, um, getting a thick binder full of information for setting up their congressional offices prior to the to January, as well as attending House Speaker Pelosi's announcement that she would not be in a leadership role for the next Congress, uh, for the 118th Congress. So um, it's really interesting. If you haven't read it, I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, she's on break, so she couldn't plug her own story here today, um, but definitely check it out. Uh, and also, Don, five of the newly elected representatives are former state senators. So can you tell me a bit about them or give some insight into their um, past records? Sure. I thought one, one note in Danielle's story when she was interviewing um, Congress member Jeff Jackson, who was in the state Senate, he mentioned that they didn't get that quite the same orientation at the legislature. I'm not really sure what their orientation is. Um, any lawmakers that are that are listening, um, I'm kind of interested in what that experience is like. Maybe it's just a very thin binder or a piece of paper. I'm not really sure. Um, the other thing that, that stood out to me in her story was uh, that Jeff Jackson talked about how everyone's offering him coffee all the time, which is funny if you think about the General Assembly, because there is coffee. There's the parody Twitter account and CGA Coffee Pot. Um, the coffee is not for the press corps or for anyone but the but the lawmakers. Theoretically, it's for everybody, but it's really just for them in committee rooms. Um, so anyway, that's a little aside from from the building there. Jackson, he might be this way in Congress, too, in the in the Senate. He I feel like maybe since I've been covering him, he's been running for or thinking about running for more than than his current role. So he does a fair amount of time giving floor speeches that he'll record or, you know, his supporters, uh, fellow lawmakers will record for him that um, that he'll use in his in his own work. Wiley Nickel is the same. I used to sit behind both of them on the Senate um, before they got, you know, rearranged their seats each session. Um, on that same row, kind of in the back right corner, um, Don Davis was also um, previously sat near Nickel um, and Jackson two sessions ago. And Davis also is known for his um, lively floor speeches, especially when he felt that Eastern North Carolina was or wasn't getting um, the support it deserved, as if some of you all remember that. And um, those three are Democrats. Valerie Fushi is a Democrat, too. Uh, Chuck Edwards is a Republican. Edwards was a pretty prominent state senator um, for Republicans, um, um, had various leadership roles and, and committees. So, so his voice will certainly be um, noticed that, that he won't be there. Fushi is uh, more of a reserved senator. 
I, I honestly can't think of in the past few years if she had given four speeches. She has been involved in the um, Legislative Black Caucus, but she's more of a behind-the-scenes type of state senator. She might end up being the same. Of course, she represents uh, an area of the state that you know doesn't um, isn't always very quiet. Durham and Chapel Hill, those politics are always interesting. She replaces David Price. The district is a little bit different uh, now, and if maps are redrawn, will will change again. Um, so Fushi, I'd say, is more reserved. Edwards, you know, we'll see how he fills his role. He's replacing Madison Cawthorn, so obviously it's going to be very different. Um, Edwards is, is also more reserved, um, and he's older than, than Cawthorn. And uh, Nickel, we'll find out about, you know, this is, this is new for him. And uh, it's interesting to see just how excited all of them are and, and what they'll actually do, do for the state um, once they are actually in D.C. and finish their orientation, which I understand as you all are listening to this, they'll be back after their own Thanksgiving break um, and learning more. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a little bit more about the upcoming legislative session 2023, potential vetoes, plus our picks for headliner of the week. We'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm News and Observer Politics reporter Don Vaughn here with my colleague Luciana Perez Ribeignasi. Before the break, we talked about the writing candidates and changes at the legislature because some of state senators are now under the big dome in Washington, D.C. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the upcoming legislative session and, and some of what's at play. Don, you actually just published a story looking forward into some of the shifts that have happened in the power structure and what that means for Cooper's uh, veto power. Can you tell me a bit about that? I took a look at what Cooper has vetoed this year. The legislative session isn't officially out. Um, they'll probably adjourn sine die in December. Uh, they would need to before coming back in, in January, um, briefly in January and then February for the long session. So I took a look at, at what he vetoed because of what's changed. The Senate now has a veto-proof supermajority, but it's only veto-proof if everybody's there, everyone votes, because it's just an exact supermajority that they have in the Senate. So I looked at what, what Cooper vetoed this past year. It was really only six bills. Part of that is it was the legislative short session, so there wasn't a whole lot going on. One early in the year was over, uh, it was sort of the tail end of, of COVID, not restrictions, but drama over it because um, there weren't any statewide, but it was about, uh, about mass in schools and that had already shifted to control at the local level. But that was one that, that he vetoed. There was a, um, a little more of a technical bill about concealed carry permit lapse. Um, and I think Gun legislation is something that we'll probably see coming up because they might have the votes to to have some sort of gun legislation either way if, if Republicans, especially in the House, since they're one, one vote short of a supermajority, will be trying to get some Democrats to vote with them on those issues. There was also a cooperation with, with ICE bill, so there's a chance that would resurface. Um, looking back the year before when Cooper vetoed I guess I think it was 16 bills in 2021. Uh, one was about, it was the anti-critical race theory bill. There was a parent's bill of rights, 
Parents' Bill of Rights bill this year that didn't end up um, going to his desk, I don't think, that was uh, regulating teaching about um, LGBTQ issues in school. So both, both of those issues regulating um, public school education could come up in a bill you know, maybe it was part of something that was vetoed before in years past that Republicans will try to run again now that they uh, now that they have more votes. So, uh, all right. Well, let's get to our picks for headliner of the week. Luciana, what's who or what is your headliner this week? So for me, it's the World Cup. Um, I'm from Peru. So soccer over there is a huge deal. Um, we would always get together, you know, our whole family, eat a ton of food and just like watch the games together. So uh, this this uh, year I'll be following some of the games, even though Peru did not classify. Um, not surprisingly, we're not very good. Um, but yeah, that's my headliner. There's been a lot of grim news lately and sports is one way um, to kind of shine a light and relief with um, with everything that's, that's going on. Um, I'll also do something that's a little a little fun. Um, and it's all the leftovers from Thanksgiving. If y'all are listening to this Monday morning, uh, they're still good. If it was made Thanksgiving, <laughs> if you're listening to this on Wednesday, I don't know. It depends on what the food is or maybe like not everyone is trying to get it. Um, in my house, we also, uh, my sister, uh, her family cooked the turkey and let us take home a little bit of leftovers, but we also made ham this past week. So hopefully I'll have a a few more days of that. Did you get to save anything after after dinner? Yeah, so I'm eating leftovers today, and my doggy had some leftovers this morning, so we're all enjoying it. <laughs> all right. So uh, headliner is Thanksgiving leftovers and and all the upcoming um, treats season that we have with the with the holidays. So doggies rejoice world. Well, U.S. wide. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we're a little shorter this week because we're you know coming off the holiday, and there's more. There's of course the legislature is still out. Uh, Congress is starting to do some things, and we'll we'll bring more uh, episodes and interviews with everyone this this coming month as we head into December. So I'm Don Vaughn for Luciana. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.